0: From the Los Angeles Times, this is Can't Stop Watching, your TV faves on their TV faves. I'm your host, Yvonne Villarreal. On today's episode, we can't stop watching Sam Hewen on the Starz original series, Outlander. He plays Scottish soldier Jamie Fraser.
1: I feel I know exactly who Jamie is, you know, and there's still moments when he surprises me and when I read stuff in the script or the book, and I'm like, why is he doing that? But that's what makes a great character, the fact that they can still surprise you even after playing him for six years.
0: We'll talk to Sam about the TV shows he's watching now, doing a Highland fling on set, and the pineapple upside-down cake he made as part of the virtual baking challenge with his castmates. Let's get into it. Sam, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's good to, good to hear you and good to speak to you.
0: I know, it's like something different. I needed to talk to someone other than my mom for a day. So thank you for being that person.
1: Oh, well, that sounds like it was a pleasure. And I've actually literally just come from a, a broadcast in Scotland, raising funds to get PPE equipment to, to frontline workers in, in Scotland. And I was, actually was making a cocktail with the host, which uh, I, all the cocktail equipment is just the other side of the room here. So it's a bit of a mess, but that was a lot of fun.
0: Have you become a master of self-isolation at this point? Like, talk to me about what you've been doing during quarantine. It's such a
1: strange time, isn't it? But I think, you know, there's a, a lot to, to concern ourselves with uh, at this point. And, you know, and people are going through, you know, really uh, challenging and trying times. But I think also people are finding almost some sort of uh, relief in in the, I guess, just the downtime, right? I mean, I've seen people online, you know, really throwing themselves into finding new challenges and learning new skills, languages. And, and I think it's important that, you know, in this time you know, where there is great darkness, you know, that we find, you know, also lightness as well and that we, we keep ourselves engaged.
0: I read online that you and some of your Outlander castmates did a social isolation baking challenge. Talk to me about how that turned out and what else you're doing to sort of keep yourself busy.
1: Yes, we did. You know, I I think our cast has been uh, actually really enjoying some of the engagement we've had. And yeah, so we started with a a baking challenge and mine was, I wouldn't say a disaster, but it probably wasn't the best looking uh, piece of baking. I'm not really a baker, so to speak, but it was a pineapple upside down cake, something that my mom used to make for many years when I was a kid. And one of my favorites. But yeah, you know, I think we're all trying to find, you know, ways to to stay engaged and engage with our fans. But personally, you know, I've been uh, I've been very busy actually. I've uh, I've been writing a lot. I've been very fortunate to to get a book deal and um have been just working away on that daily and uh it's been really rewarding because it's not something I've ever really done before.
0: So you're finding that this downtime is actually conducive to being creative? Because I would think the opposite. So how how has it sort of been a release to have that writing?
1: Yeah, well, that's a good question because, you know, I think we're very busy normally in our everyday lives. And um, on our TV show, you know, it, it has been very, very relentless. You know, we went from our last season, we went straight into a press tour for that. Then I, I was into a press tour in Los Angeles for a, a movie that um, called Bloodshot. And with sort of all that stuff, you, you don't really have time to sort of sit and reflect on what you've been doing. And this has been a great time for me to really go back over, you know, the beginnings of Outlander and, and this other TV show that I just created called Clanlands. And just to really relive those moments and, and go back and even watch, you know, those episodes. And it's been a really nice way to sort of remember certain scenarios that you maybe forget
0: because I was going to ask, and maybe this is part of that, like, have you learned anything about yourself during this time, like gotten to know yourself in a new way?
1: Yeah, I think, honestly, um, it it is an interesting time for me. You know, I'm about to turn the big four zero. And I think for anyone, you know, that's uh, a point in time that needs to be marked. And this solitude and this downtime, so to speak, is is starting to give me time to reflect. And I think uh, it's something going forward, hopefully when the world heals, and it's going to be a very different world, I, I know that. But I think, you know, hopefully for myself, I'm going to try and find more time like this where possibly I can have time for myself or, or time to, to really work on myself more than, you know, just keep going and keep working.
0: Well, I bring this up because, you know, we're all sort of behind our screens and communicating through our devices. Emotions are heightened, we're feeling things differently. And you recently posted a statement on Twitter where you open up about you know, some bullying and harassment that you've received. And I wanted to take this time to sort of ask you about that. Like, I think it might be helpful for listeners to hear from someone about this kind of bullying and that, you know, it could happen to anyone at any time.
1: Yeah, I think it can, you know, and I think it, to be honest, uh, everyone, you feel like a, a target at times, especially on social media and on the online online world. Um, in my situation, you know, I think I've made a statement about it. I don't really want to Talk too much about the details because it had escalated beyond that. But it's definitely something that has been part of my life since, you know, finding a little bit of more fame, you know, through the show. So people don't really talk about it. So I felt like, you know, I really wanted to get it off my chest. It really felt like the right time. But hopefully, you know, it's drawn a line and, and we can all move on.
0: Well, you know, we're asking everybody how they think their character might handle what we're going through now. And I have to say, like, now more than ever, like, I wish that I did live in TV worlds, particularly your TV worlds, where I can time jump two years. We have the vaccine and, like, this is all sort of like a dream of, of some sort. But talk to me about what you think Jamie would be doing in this situation. Is he somebody that could stay home? Would he be out there trying to fix this?
1: Oh, well, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, obviously, he would, I think, survive very well, you know, certainly... If he was in a sort of rural or less built-up area, you know, if he was in the woods or something, you know, he he's a man of the land and uh, has a great many skills, so he, he could survive. Um, however, he's a social man too. But I think you know, if anyone's watching the show at the moment, um, episode nine, you know, he uh, he gets get bitten by a snake and goes through a real, real challenging time and, and really confronts his own mortality and um, has to make a decision whether he he wants to live or die. And I think, uh, yeah, I think even he is not impervious to facing up to these these real questions that were asked during times like these.
0: Well, I want to talk more about the season and the fifth season builds up to sort of the Revolutionary War. Are, are you a history buff?
1: I love history. I'm surrounded by it all the time. Certainly in Scotland, you know, we, it's a real part of our culture. You know, you just can't escape you know the castles and and landscape you know there's you know great battles been held there and it's it's you know you're you're pretty much walking amongst ghosts there you know you really feel it especially in the big cities like Edinburgh you know it's like it's like walking through Harry Potter world but uh you know I didn't know the finer details and it's certainly American history for me has been kind of eye opening and uh It's been amazing to learn a little bit about it, you know, and to see, you know, that America was built on these different um, immigrants, different uh, races of people coming together and some working together, some not. But to see how it it, it is a young country, you know, the the current state. And uh, yeah, it's been so fascinating to sort of portray that.
0: The dynamic between Jamie and his son-in-law, Roger, has been interesting to watch. You know, Jamie has had his reservations about Roger but with time, they sort of have sort of reached a real respect for each other. And, and Roger comes into his own. How is it sort of having another modern character teach Jamie another way to be?
1: Yeah, well, that's a good question. You know, certainly this um, season, the arc for those two characters is is a long one and a slow one. But it, it does. They do go a sort of a full circle where... You know, Jamie. At the very beginning, the very first episode, the first scene, we see Jamie shaving his soon-to-be stepson, and he really doesn't think that this man from the future has the the, the abilities to survive and, and sort of be a man of Jamie's time and be a good husband to his daughter. So he's he's very uh, he's rather unsure about him. But you know, throughout the whole season, he does. They do learn this new respect, and it, and it certainly is that Roger has a different way of approaching things. He's he's not so much a man of action. He's a man of intellect. And uh, I think Jamie really learns to, uh, you know, admire that there's a different way of doing things. And actually that's how Claire has always treated Jamie. You know, she's always taught him being a woman from the future. She's always taught him there are other ways of approaching things and and, and doing them in a different manner.
0: So this season also marked the end of a fan favorite character, Myrta Frazier. He's Jamie's godfather and his connection to Scotland And while fans may have saw it coming, that didn't make it any easier. So I'm curious, how did you feel about reaching this point?
1: This was really sad and, uh, you know, a really strong storyline. In fact, probably one of my favorite storylines I've had. Uh, Certainly one of the strongest as an actor to play. Um, Myrta, in the books, dies at Culloden. So it would have been uh, the beginning of season two. Um. Yeah, the, the the writers and showrunner they decided to keep him on because he's such a great character, and he provided this this constant companion for Jamie, this silent uh, father figure. Um, and he really was a real bond of love there and, and and loyalty. But in our story, you know, he becomes the leader of the the regulators, the the people sort of rebelling against the British, and Jamie's commanded to align himself with the British. And that's been something that Jamie's always fought against and, and really has to, he's obviously pretending he doesn't want to to do that, but he has to go out and hunt down his his godfather. And it comes to a head and um, his godfather unfortunately dies. And uh, yeah, it's sad because Jamie's also not only losing his his godfather and his father figure, but actually losing a little bit of Scotland. You know, this character represented everything that Jamie, the sort of old way of life, the old sort of Scottish Highlander, way of living the the Gallic culture, the everything that, that that man represents he's lost. so uh, it's it's big for Jamie.
0: Well, and Jamie has experienced a lot of grief in the last few seasons. So how was it sort of finding your way through Jamie's grief about losing his godfather?
1: Yeah, it it, it was so well written the episode and um, it's my favorite episode I think I've shot for a long time you know a great battle sequence which I really enjoy. The real, the initial spark to the Revolutionary War, uh, the Battle of Alamance, and it wasn't really actually much of a battle, but you know we did it justice, I think, in the show. And um, but Jamie is, is asked to wear a red coat, which. It's something that I I fought for and pushed for in in the show. It's not in the books, but I thought you know the visual implications, but also what it meant to Jamie to to put on this red coat, something that he's fought against, in the British Empire. You know, a lot of Jamie's past, a lot of his suffering has been down to um, the red coats, to Black Jack Randall, to to Culloden. So yeah, it's it it was really difficult for him morally to, and, and honorably to sort of put on this jacket and to fight on the side of the British. As Myrta pretty much dies in his arms, you know, there are the various stages of grief. And I really wanted, first of all, the first thing I wanted to see was Jamie as the boy again, suddenly uh, as a child lost. Um, and I think you might possibly see that for a moment. Uh, and then, then is disbelief, you know, um, he doesn't, he doesn't believe that he's dead. He won't believe he's dead. Uh, then it turns into anger. Um, then, you know, obviously sorrow and then rage and, and all, and all these various stages of grief. And I think, uh, it, it really affects him, but not only Jamie, it affects the whole, the whole population at Fraser's Ridge. We see Jacasta, you know, who, who had a love affair with him and Claire and, and everyone there, you know, everyone, he was a good friend and a good ally to everyone. And not only in the show as a character, but actually the actor for real, you know, we we really were very sad to lose Duncan Lacroix, who plays Myrta, he's a He's a, an amazing guy.
0: What was filming that battle like? Because it's a battle unlike any we've seen on the show before, like there's muskets and a difference to it. So how was that sort of navigating?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, it's always a part of the show that I love, but it just shows how the world is evolving and modernizing. And, you know, the last battle we see at and you know, Jamie's part of the Highland Charge, this ancient form of battle that for many hundreds of years was very effective. But Part of the reason that the British win is that they've learned to overcome that with muskets and, and a new style of fighting. And when we get to America, we see, yeah, it's now become like guerrilla warfare. It's muskets and cannon, uh, and is a very different style of of fighting. And uh, yeah, that those days were were great fun to to shoot. We really enjoyed that because it had been a while since uh, I had been beaten up, so it was fun to to, to lay out some some justice.
0: I imagine the weather probably wasn't the greatest, especially wearing all that garb. It probably felt even, like, more intense.
1: You actually hit it on the head. It was summer in Scotland, which normally only lasts for about two days. This time, we were fortunate. We had about two weeks of, of very warm sunshine in Scotland. and. Uh, we were shooting, and obviously all that that equipment and the jackets and the coats and running around fighting—it was it was pretty intense, pretty tough. You know, we have a lot of extras there, a lot of a lot of actors and horses, and there's there's so much that goes on, and it's remarkable that we we managed to shoot that. I think in maybe two days, um, we did go back to do pickups, and actually we had to reshoot the sort of realization in the tent where Jamie realizes that Murcher is actually dead we had to reshoot that on the very last day of filming you know like a month or two months later so that's kind of the challenge that you get as an actor sometimes you have to throw yourself back into where you were emotionally and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's okay and yeah it's uh these are the challenges of I guess working on a tv show
0: well, you talked earlier about turning the big four zero, and Jamie this season turned 50. What has it been like to sort of watch him age and mature? You know, when we first meet him, he had no ties, no responsibility. And now he has a family. He's a grandpa to sort of see his evolution.
1: Yeah, he's really... Um, well, he's aged. You know, he was 23 when I first started the show and that was six years ago. And it's kind of amazing, you know, he's gone through such a growth. He's, you know, become a husband, a father, um, though he's never really had the chance to to be a father. Um, and then, yeah, and then for for a while, you know, he loses Claire and becomes a shadow of himself. He He becomes many other characters. He actually... Goes by about six or seven different names throughout, you know, even two seasons. Uh, he's constantly evolving, and then, you know, he's really found himself now in in America in Fraser's Ridge as, as kind of the clan leader. He's now a p- great politician. He's a man of action, but he's he's really using all of the facets of his his uh, experience now. You know, we've seen him command men uh, naturally, and we've seen him. Uh, be intellectual and and, and a bit of a player in in the court of Versailles in France. But now he's using all of these skills. And I think that's amazing to see the man really come into his own and, you know, become become almost essentially the clan leader of of Fraser's Ridge. Uh, But with that comes a lot of responsibility.
0: Can I ask you about the glasses? Are you surprised how this is taken off? I just always see memes of Jamie with the glasses.
1: (laughs) I wanted... I wanted to give him something that made him, you know, he, he is getting older. And, you know, in the book, he's still strong. He's still virile. He's still capable. You know, I, I wanted to give him, you know, a weakness. And the fact that his eyes are going slightly, I think, is is great. You know, that he may be even slightly embarrassed by it. But, yeah, and uh, we, we went through a whole set of glasses and I eventually found this pair. And I thought they just, they kind of worked. But, I mean, even saw my co star today post the video, and we she jokes and we joke about it, you know we call him Santa Jamie, just need the white beard and uh and it's perfect yeah i I kind of love him though sometimes I forget you know you forget the to wear them oh my god I hope I you know I remember for that scene, yeah, it's nice to see him age, you know, and he's been through so much you know he he wears literally his experiences on his back, he's covered in a ridiculous amount of scars, and um this was just uh, you know a way to show the aging process and Uh, That and his hair, you know, sort of changing slightly color and a lot more age makeup as well. You know, just the the little sort of uh, details.
0: I just want like at least like a two minute sequence of the all the times that Jamie has to clean his glasses. Because as a person that wears glasses, I feel like that's all I do. And I feel like in the time that he's living in, they must be getting dirty a lot. So maybe make that suggestion.
1: I'm gonna throw that in the next time I'm wearing those glasses. You know, that's that's actually a really good point. You know, I actually wear glasses myself and uh, have done from a very young age and have really terrible eyesight. So uh, I'm very aware of what it's it's like wearing glasses. And uh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll th- I'll put it in. I'll put it in for you.
0: And, and another dance sequence. Like, what did you think about the dancing this season?
1: <laughs> yeah. So in this sequence, uh, Jamie uh, dances. Um, In the book, it's it's a sword dance, and uh, it was written in the script as a sword dance. As well, he's you know in this town, Brownsville, and for a moment, just enjoying enjoying the moment. And uh, it's a really really nice sequence. But um, I wanted to to change it slightly, and I actually ended up doing a Highland fling. I'm not a I wouldn't say a dancer at heart, but I got some lessons from a good friend of mine who used to be a professional Highland dancer. the dance is actually really interesting. It's about kicking off the shackles of, of the British, you know, kicking off the, the trousers, the trues that they were supposed to wear. Um, when the kilts were banned, you know, Scotsmen had to then start wearing trousers or, or, or as you guys call them, pants. And so the whole dance was sort of a defiant dance about. You know, kicking off the shackles of, of the british so it's it's a fun moment and nice to see Jamie and Claire sharing a moment as well, but yeah, I think that day I was slightly nervous about it
0: so in the finale, Claire is brutally raped by Lionel Brown and his men, and you know obviously it's a harrowing or- ordeal, and Jamie eventually kills them. But I wonder how you think this changes jamie that experience
1: well it's it's such a powerful and difficult um subject. And I think, you know, we all wanted to to get it right. I think the times have changed. I think the show has changed. You know, Jamie gets raped in season one and it was very graphic. Now, you know, I don't know if I would have done that now, you know, but it, it's, it is what it is. And I think, you know, at that time, you know, we felt it was the right thing to do. And I think this time, you know, I think very cleverly, the writers have done something different. I think it's a really emotional, very hard to watch episode, but it's stylized. And I think, we were very involved in that, myself and Katrina. We went back and forth a lot with the director who was fantastic, uh, Jamie Payne, and the writers, Tony, who was, who was just magnificent. And we really tried to find the right tone to it um, and make it less about the brutality and more about Claire trying to to, to find some comfort and escapism in, in her mind uh, during the, this trauma. And she, she, of course, goes back to Jamie and tries to imagine a sort of a world with him. Yeah, for Jamie it changes a lot, you know, he's thrown into action and we see some a really I hopefully a scary side of him, a side that is unrestrained rage. Um he will do anything for her of course and I think he does that. He has this great line where he basically says kill them all and he just doesn't doesn't care. He he uh, lays waste to them and seeks revenge on them all. But afterwards, yeah, I think there's a lot of healing to be done and certainly by the end of the season Claire isn't healed. She's fine and she's going to be okay, but um, I think the whole family have been affected by so many of these occurrences throughout the season. You know, the loss of Murder, what happens to Claire. You know, they're Bonnet, Stephen Bonnet. Uh, There's just so many things. They're being attacked on every side, and yet still this war is coming, and, and they're going to have to face it, but they are, they are fractured. They're a fractured family, and they, the only way they're going to get through it is by sticking together.
0: You talked earlier about the ways in which Jamie has evolved through the five seasons, and I'm curious in what ways do you think you have grown with the character? Like, how have you seen yourself sort of evolve in this process too? I
1: hope I'm a better actor. I hope I'm wiser and I don't know if I am. But um, yeah, I think we've become so ingrained in the show now. You know, I feel like, you know, before and certainly season one and two, you're you're constantly trying to, we're always trying to discover who the character is and and dig deeper and and understand who they are. But as you get to play a character for longer, you, you start to... To know them better, you know, and I think there's a shorthand now, and I think I feel I know exactly who Jamie is, you know, and there's still moments when he surprises me, and when I read stuff in the script or the book, and I'm like, why is he doing that? But that's what uh, makes a great character: that the fact that they can still surprise you, even after playing them for six years. But yeah, I mean, I feel very fortunate. It's changed my life in a, in a great number of ways. I have a lot more opportunity to to do other projects, to to lend my voice to, to charity work, to to write books, to you know, to do all these other projects, which I guess is important in, in sort of my journey as an actor. But um, yeah, I just feel very, very fortunate, to be honest.
0: Well, Outlander has been renewed for six season. Do you have any sense of when production will resume? Have you been in constant contact about that? And what do you sort of hope to see in season six?
1: Yeah, well, we were supposed to start shooting May, beginning of May. We have been pushed till the end of August, September. Um, I'm hopeful that, we Will be okay, I think, with restrictions and a sort of maybe a reduced crew and social distancing. Maybe it can happen. I don't know. We are. It's such a big production. We'll see. But the producers and uh, have been in contact. The scripts are being written. I've read the first two. Um, so we're we're in a good place. I think when the world heals after all this, I think you know we'll be ready to go. Very fortunately I've actually um been working on a show called Clan Lands that I produced created so I've been working on that and that should hopefully be out in that period as well so there'll be something there'll be something that I'm working on during that period yeah
0: How do you think what's happening now will change your approach or like, how you practice acting. Like, are you nervous about being on the set again and not being totally sure if this thing is behind us yet? So many Outlander scenes are intimate, and this idea of six feet apart, like, obviously can't happen on Outlander. But, like, are you nervous about going back? Are you feeling like, I don't know when I'll feel comfortable again?
1: I just think we have to change the way we do things. I'm hopeful that you know we're gonna find a way to beat this and i think we are i'm sort of you know the more you read in the press i feel like there's a there's a change a very slow change but i'm hoping that you know things are going to get better and we'll find a way to beat this and i think on set i mean of course it will change the way we do things i think we'll have to be a lot more you know conscious about you know just people's health and whether you feel ill, you should come to set or, you know, washing your hands and then staying away from each other. But, um, I mean, sets are really probably the least sanitized places. There's, you know, hundreds of people walking around, you know, shared bathrooms, kind of mud. Um, we're, we're touching all the time, you know, makeup artists are touching and you're, you're in close proximity to people. So yeah, I think there will be, have to be strict guidelines, certainly, you know, in the early stages, but I'm, ho- I'm very hopeful and I'm staying positive that, you know, things will, will, retain some sort of normalcy.
0: All right. We've come to the point in the show where I ask the question that our previous guest on the podcast, that would be actor Milo Ventimiglia, has for you, Sam. Here's what Milo wants to know.
1: Who's the first person you're looking forward to hugging and having a face-to-face conversation with once things level out? That's a really tough one. I think, uh, obviously, you know, family, friends. um, I, I feel like through Zoom and these online meetings, it's been a really great way to stay in touch with people. So in a way, I've I've enjoyed that, being able to talk to my friends and actually probably have more conversations with them than I used to before. But the one person I guess would be my co-star, Katrina Balfe, um, on Outlander. It means that if I get to see her again, it means that we're going back to work. And uh, yeah, I think we're all beginning to miss uh, that sort of normality. And I can't wait to get back into to Outlander in season six.
0: Well, our next episode in this podcast features an interview with Christine Baranski, who plays a lawyer named Diane Lockhart in the CBS All Access legal drama The Good Fight. So, is there a question you would like to ask Christine Baranski?
1: Oh, Christine. Well, I guess, you know, apart from just all of the the regular stuff like where are you? Are you safe? Going back to her show, you know, how how do you think this has changed her and her character, but yeah. How is she going to approach things differently? If she's going to approach things differently or we'll just go be, you know, back to work.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time, Sam. Like, what are you going to do with the rest of your day?
1: Yeah. I've been, I've, as I said, I've been trying to work out and stay, have some sort of routine. So, you know, I try to get up, work out and then do some writing and, and then catch up on some TV shows in the evening. Um, i I mean, secretly kind of enjoying this, this downtime, um, just to, you know, really rest and, and gather myself. So, um, yeah, I just hope that everyone stays safe and I hope that, you know, we find a way through this. And I, and I think we will.
0: I have to ask, since you brought it up, what TV shows are you catching up on during this time?
1: Oh, you had to ask. And I have to tell the truth. I'm a bit of a fan of of uh, of docu-shows, actually. I think it's kind of well-known, or fans know that, you know, I love Cheer and I love all of those shows, especially uh, NFL shows. However, my guilty pleasure at the moment is 90 Day Fiance. Um, it's just, I can't stop, I cannot stop fascinating characters and scenarios and it's some of the best television I've ever seen.
0: Do you do all the spinoffs? Have you gotten into the spinoffs? Pillow talk?
1: Oh yeah. I've done it all. And then of course I'll Google them afterwards and find out where they are and I want to know everything. It's great. I, I don't know why. I just, uh, I just am fascinated by it.
0: I have to ask you about Cheer. What did you think about Jerry?
1: Jerry, I've been following on uh, Instagram and social media for a while. I actually started a hashtag Jerry for President. And actually, I believe he's on one of those, you know, video request apps where you can record a video. And the fans have actually got him to record several videos for me, sending his best wishes and, and all sorts of things. So um, I'm, I'm proud to have that. I think I think all those characters are amazing. But to see, you know, see these young adults, you know, really, really working so hard in, in a really tough tough environment. And they're, they're, they're inspiring, you know, and uh, it's, it's fun to sort of be be on the ride with them for those sort of trials and tribulations.
0: I'm so pleased to hear that our um, TV viewing selections align. Good. Well, Sam, thank you again for taking the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Of course. Thank you. It's great to chat.
0: That's it for the fourth episode of Can't Stop Watching. I'm your host, Ivan Villarreal. Our producer is Paige Heimson and our executive producer is Abby Fentress-Swanson. Our engineer is Mike Heflin. And as always, a special shout out to Elena Howe for booking the guests for this podcast. Come back tomorrow. We're talking to actress Christine Baranski. I'm in a house with three little grandsons all under the age of six and a half and a puppy, and my daughter and son-in-law. And so this is like not showbiz land here. (laughs) This is trying to find privacy
1: and quiet, and it's just been a hoot to try and manage
0: a career uh, when you're just in a house full of very young people. If you like Can't Stop Watching, subscribe, and leave us a sweet old five-star review on Apple. Special thanks to Julia Turner, Matt Brennan, and Clint Shaw. We hope you're enjoying this podcast created by the journalists at the LA Times. Right now, access to the facts has never been more important and the Times is in the business of reporting them. Stay connected and subscribe because your subscription supports the production of podcasts like this one and our award-winning journalism. Visit latimes.com supportlatimes Times to subscribe. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.